Hello and welcome to DevOps Sauna. My name is Lauri and I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Efficode. In the DevOps 2020 event, Efficode's CTO Marco Clemetti gave a speech about improving DevOps capabilities. In this speech, Marco referred to the design system, stating that design system is the voice and identity of an organization, but also a set of styles that represent the organization. He also went on saying that organizations should connect all of their DevOps practices and tools into the design system. I believe that many of our listeners have been involved with either design system or DevOps, but it's not perhaps as well known to combine the two. I had a chance to talk more with Marco about this connection and where organizations should start with them. So let's get going. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. That's good. It happens that I have three podcast recordings in seven days, and this is the first of them. So oh. ask me in seven days, uh, but I'm going to be really proficient in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I programmed, uh, I actually made an application last night, which I deployed to Kubernetes just to find. It was, I started it at at six o'clock in the evening at one o'clock it was uh it was already deployed and tests passing so welcome to the more modern world with the business logic so not not only the devops stuff but also the actual application was done with the ui so if it if it was seven seven hours from idea to production how many hours of those you took to optimize your text editor so that you have all the right macros and <laughs> 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 I don't do that anymore. I've I've stopped doing it. I'm actually between text editors, but it's I'm happy you said text editors because people today use IDEs, mm. and I actually use an IDE as well. But but I call it a text editor since I've disabled basically everything. The only thing I'm I'm keeping on is Beautify and Lint. Okay. Beautify formats the code. Especially if you're getting a random JSONs or XMLs or whichever, you can beautify the code pretty quickly and see read it more easily with like uh, yeah. cursory viewing. Um, and then I have linting, which is reporting all all like code style errors on the fly. I still think fondly um, of Emacs with Emacs, with yeah. uh, Emacs with Perl mode. And uh, shortcuts for CVS check-in and check-out. That was something. Actually, it wasn't even CVS. It was, I think it was RCS. Yeah, it must have been that, like, predecessor of it. Yeah. The one that actually does lock the files and and only have, like, per file version control. Yeah. It's completely changed from there. Yeah, but this this is more than 20 years ago. But I, I still I still have it in my muscle memory when you have the the Emacs <laughs> open and you press a keystroke and it will automatically format your Perl based uh, basically your indentation based on the predefined rules. So that's yeah. like a it's a muscle memory gesture. Today we are talking about something else. Yeah, We're yeah. talking about uh, design and DevOps. Yeah. And uh, well, you could say you could say that back in time I was developing software there was. There was no design because it was all command line and input was coming from standard input and output was going to standard output and there was just 
the software in the middle. Uh, now the world is different, and uh, you know I have I have tried to unpack this connection between design and DevOps to me. The closest I've ever come to that myself, trying to figure it out for myself, is is sort of doing Android software development, where you have the material design which is integrated into the um, Android Studio. So you're sort of doing the software design at the same time, and then going back to the code base and doing and then emulating, running the emulator and trying that out. But it's a it, it's it. I understand it's a, like a single person understanding and very very limited definition of it. So. Why don't we start by just unpacking this connection between design and DevOps uh, yeah. for everybody? Yeah, I think it's it's best to actually start from saying that there are there are many many different variations of design, and when you talk about design, you cannot always be exactly sure what what you mean. So there's service design, which obviously focuses on what kind of services should be created and why, and and mostly mostly on the why part, defining what we are actually doing and to whom. And, and then we have the graphical design, which I think more commonly in our industry could be called UX design. So user experience design, which, which includes what comes from the service design and, and also parts of how it's supposed to be implemented. And then the beef is in the middle so how do how should the service look like? How does it behave? And what are kind of the graphical instruments you have a connection with the user with? And then of course, like DevOps, my favorite subject goes beyond from from traditionally from the first line of code to a change released into production environment. Uh, adding value to users or whoever the service eventually is for. And I would, in this discussion, already expand the concept of DevOps, starting from the first moment someone comes up with an idea or a change request to the point where it's actually creating value for someone. So the whole pipeline, including all various designs, the development phase, the release and then of course maintenance and, and the production environment whatever it is let, let, let me ask one sort of a deeper level question there so it it sounds to me that okay we have we can define the design and we can d define the devops independently but how what's the where is the connection there so i i, I ask it again like how, how do they tie up yeah 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 yeah, so how I see, especially when you go to UX design, which means like doing the actual graphical design work for an application or a service, you eventually have to transform that into a di into digital format, which means basically developing that application. And the connection comes from the moment you start developing the application. and. Modern days when you have the, the various design applications like Sketch or InVision or Figma or similar, they already do some of the uh, pre-development work for the designers and for the developers. And, and the connection starts when you start actually implementing that design. Usually these days they, they go hand in hand. 
which means that DevOps actually starts already from the design phase. Cool. Um, well, UI design has always existed. Well, apart from the standard standard output where you're basically passing parameters. But so UI design is not new and translating UI design into a code is not new. So what has resulted in this design systems and design becoming so popular today? Yeah, I would say that that design system has been a hot word for a while already. Um, it, it does define or design system has also various definitions, but one of the best definitions, in my opinion, is that it's a uniform voice, identity and styles of an organization or company. Which means that it's it's defining how the organization is is expressing itself in digital graphical format, basically. And it during these days, as as the application development is going browser based or it's going native into mobile applications, it's more and more important to have a harmonious library of styles and components to be used in an organization when new services are created or the organization is changing styles or changes are made to various areas of an application. So design systems have been born from the need of having uniform styles within the organization and the application. I'll give an example such as forms, buttons, navigations, typography, and, and things like that, they all go well into a design system that's then scalable and, and can be replicated within the organiza organization and also in the application design. Yeah, so basically design system is a way for organization to harmonize the expression of themselves in software, largely speaking. Yeah, so top level would be that. And then the then the more like more earthly definition, of course, would be that it's a library of components that are reusable. So I said forms or buttons or navigation that you can reuse over and over again. And then if you have changes, say, for example, you change your logo, you change your colors, the organization changes its way of, of expressing itself. So I said, uniform voice, for example, changes, it might have changes in the design and then design system is a natural place to reflect that change in all of the applications or all of the services the organization has. And if I, if I try to apply my knowledge from, from marketing and from the broader sort of digital transformation, the reason why it has suddenly become so popular is because, because software is so critical in the interchange between the service provider and the service consumer, then the only way to make sure that the organization expresses themselves properly is by way of design systems. I would say that the reusability is one. So uh, you create your styles and then you can reuse and have some sort of a definition of them organization-wide. And the bigger the organization, the more important it is. And then the second part is, of course, the components. So here, here we're getting into the more development side. So design system, of course, includes not only the design, but also the code behind the, the design and the components. So if you have a button, you would have, 
for example, HTML and CSS code pre-made for the developers to represent that component, which could be, say, a button. So the colors of the button, the behavior of the button on hover or pressing the button. And, and design system includes that. And one of my favorite open design systems is the Australian government design system, which you can go ahead and, and check out at designsystem.gov.au. It includes the design, the HTML and CSS examples, and also, which is modern for today, the React components. So React is a JavaScript user interface uh, framework that, that's currently the most popular, originally developed by Facebook. So interestingly, you, you could argue that um, if an organization publishes good design system, they also put a foot down as to the technology preferences they would like to see in their organization. And they lower the barrier of adoption of a certain technology because of what they are doing with design systems. Is that is that is that far-fetched or is it? No, that's actually inevitable. So what has happened formerly before the emergence of design systems, what happened was that you have graphical guidelines which is kind of one of the basis for design systems. And then the teams or the application development organizations were responsible for developing the components corresponding to that graphical guidelines, which means that all of the different departments or application teams or organizations had to do the same work over and over again to create their library of components representing the graphical guidelines of the organization. And now that we have a centralized library, which we here call design system, it, it suddenly turns into reusability, but also harmonizing the way the applications are made. So now if you have, that's why I pointed out React, for example, usually the, the design systems that are openly available have already React components in them because of the popularity, mm. which also means that it's cheaper, easier, and more scalable for organizations to start developing their applications with the design they, they want to use in such popular areas, such, such as React. And then if you have some legacy applications or le legacy technologies in use, you have to have the so-called bootstrapping phase where you implement the design system and the components for that particular area. So yes, it harmonizes, but also it doesn't uh, restrict the use of design. You just have to it's more probable that you have to do it yeah. yourself. Fascinating. Now, um, you gave an example from um, Australia government. So my, my next question would have been, is, is this a dream or is this reality? Um, and uh, so at least there is there are examples of good design systems that deliver on, on the idea. But let me ask it the other way. Um, how should these design systems then... Like, uh, are they delivering on this connection between design system and DevOps and how they should be improved to better fit 
uh, with DevOps. Before going there, I'd, I'd want to say that there are like roughly two different types of design systems. The other ones are open source community driven available for everybody design systems such as UI kit or material UI or semantic UI. There's a number of different design systems that are following the same rules as as any organization's own design system and have the expandability to be actually moved from the community to an organization use. And this is today very popular to follow uh, a generally, generally available design system and transforming for the organization's use. And then there are those that have been developed for the organization or by the organization. So for example, in Finland, uh, one of the teleoperators, Elisa, they have their own style guide and style book, which is following the design system rules. And, and many of the other big organizations are following the same suits by creating their own design systems, which are then proprietary. And now the fun part starts from there. So now you have a design system, you have your design components, you have the reusability of the components. And what it enables, it, it en enables you to kickstart new innovations faster. So you don't have to start by creating the design components, but you skip over that part. You already know that, okay, we're doing, doing an application for our organization. It has to look like this, but you already have the library ready. So it's really, really quick to start a new innovation or, or, or a product development and get into production. And, and the other benefit, of course, is that if your design changes, the design system would be the centralized place to actually do the changes and reflect it through the organization quickly and way more quickly than when you had your teams creating their own design representations. So this is what's like beneficial for design systems today. But then if we look at what's happening in the DevOps scene, uh, the actual development development work starts from when you've you have your design system and you start developing the application logic behind the design. So you have the bits and pieces in place, you know how the UI should look like, but you still have to add in the logic. And now if we look at the DevOps scene, there are lots of things involved in developing the logic, such as, for example, unit testing. So testing that the logic works, you would have end-to-end -end testing or acceptance testing checking that the user interface actually does the logic that's expected then you would have some sort of other quality measurements like static code analysis or similar you have your continuous delivery or deployment uh, the pipeline that actually releases your application and then of course you have the release both into what we would here call the staging or testing environment and then eventually into production environment. So kind of the basic DevOps mm. stuff. And since the design systems are driven usually by the design people or the UI developer people, the people who love working with user interfaces and implementing them as code, and the DevOps side has traditionally been 
developed by the people who love automating, who love uh, seeing the applications released into production environments, who love making sure that the production environment is running smoothly and scaling on demand and, and all that like modern DevOps vocabulary. There has been a gap in between. And I believe that design system is definitely one of the ways of narrowing down the gap between the design phase and the actual release. Okay. So does that, and this is a digression, but let me, let me put it out there. Um, if design system includes those active components, like what you said, they like, they actually have the buttons and lists and uh, sort of many, many UI elements, but they, but they would also have some of the, some of the stuff that is more relevant to the developer part, the development part, like, like test cases. Um, does that then also mean, and I'm probably phrasing this wrong, but um, does that mean that designers have to get more involved in the actual like, software part? Because I, I think it's a different skill and different uh, trait being a designer um, than being uh, somebody who is then sort of more interested in the in sort of make, creating a code that does what the software is supposed to do. So I'm going to answer you yes and no. Uh, why I'm going to why I'm going to say yes is that in my opinion, with the emergence of of the cloud technologies and and harmonizing the pipelines into cloud environments and understanding how the applications are released and how easy it has become, it's more accessible for designers to understand what's actually happening after the design phase when the application is written into a code or implemented, then verified and, and eventually, of course, released. And that, like, I'll call it continuous delivery pipeline mm -hmm. here. But it's it's accessible for the designer to understand how it functions. And an extension to that is also being involved in a component library here, design system that would contain the parts from the DevOps continuous delivery pipeline, such as the test templates or the infrastructure or, or the, the, the pipeline templates that helps the application development to connect the, the design system and the design and the development directly into the actual release or continuous delivery pipeline by using what's already included in the design system. The other side is, of course, no. So the designers don't necessarily have to know about this. And it depends, like it's a personal question if the designers actually want to work on such things. This means that the design system and the design side work for the whole organization is turning into like more extended work than just design. It's involving people from development. It's involving people from the operations or DevOps side, which also means that it includes collaboration. It, it includes a new, new side of the culture of development, and it brings the people closer by working on the same goal, which would be the design system even if they weren't working on just the design or the code. 
but it's actually harmonizing the whole pipeline into design system. And of course, it will, will mean that more skills than just design or the, the UI development is needed. Right. Uh, before, in the interest of wrapping up quite a bit of what have been said before, let me let me try to ask a very succinct um, question, which is, Considering all this, how does a well-implemented working design system look like when it's seamlessly integrated in DevOps practices and tools? So that's the first question. And maybe the second question would then be, how should the organization support this? So not only from a tools perspective, but also from a culture and um, other um, sort of organizational perspectives. So I've written an example application for using the design system can be found from the GitHub under ethical design system example. That's one of the representations. What would uh, well, well implemented be means that in addition to having the design system in place and the components written in HTML, CSS, React components, you also have the unit tests such as the the UI component unit tests, in this case, the, the, the tech, technical term or the, the, or the tool used is called GEST. And then it has some examples on, on how the backend, which means like the, the, the core code part of such application would be written, which means that when you, when you create a user interface, you have logic behind there. So when you, you, when you have your design system, there is no reason to not have some sort of examples on how that user interface is connected to the actual backend or the, the core of the application. And then uh, well implemented would also include the acceptance tests, which in this case, like we, are part of the robot framework uh, foundation, which means that the acceptance tests should be written in natural language. And there's no reason not to have that as part of the design system as well. And then, of course, last but not least, the connection to the infrastructure, meaning your, say, cloud environment or on demand, whichever you are using, but connection to infrastructure on when you're ready, how do you get that ready delivered into the environment you're running it in. And then of course, the last connection in well-implemented design system would be the delivery pipeline, which means how do you connect your application into the whole automation framework? Here, we call it continuous delivery. So continuous delivery pipeline. So as you start working on an application in well-implemented design system, you would have it in production environment the same moment you start working on it. Hmm. This is something I love calling zero day delivery. I actually tried that out last night myself and, and it works in such a way that when you start an application, you take a template, which is based on the design system. And when you make your first commit, it's already connected to your continuous delivery and delivered into production environment. In this case, GitHub, GitHub Actions, Kubernetes, which then is completely automated and comes from the original work of the design 
and then design systems and just extended to include everything that follows from there. It sounds like many, many things that are have traditionally been considered like moments of truths or those moments where you where you hit the button and cross your fingers, they those are the ones that become anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I, I always separate the words delivery and release from each other. So delivery should be the uninteresting part. Uh, if you do continuous deployment, you usually deploy unfinished code into production. The code is just working, but it's unfinished. So you either hide the functionality from your users or then just keep it there in the background and nobody notices. And release is when you actually release that feature for your users. And the uninteresting part becomes here for the delivery, which means that you're actually delivering the, the uh, feature being implemented all the time. You get the feeling of security that what I'm currently creating is still working in production environment. Our users are working just fine, making small increments. And if you fail, there is a very, very, very short way back by rollbacking. And then the actual release is then done by a decision. So, of course, you might have that particular feature in production for ages before you decide to release it or you wait for a certain moment for the correct release. But that's a moment of turning a switch instead of including it into this mayhem of trying to get the features into production and crossing your fingers that they actually work. When when doing releases in modern world, you already know that they work. So you failed way before the actual release. Yeah. I remember an old expression that um, the software solutions doesn't solve anything until people embrace them. And uh, I like to use that as as a bridge then to the organizational part, which is now that, let's say the, the manufacturing line in one sense has been described, then what does it take from an organization to support this connection or this, this yeah, the connection between design systems and DevOps? Yeah, this obviously changes the culture. And in my opinion, into the modern direction, into the better, more fluently working organization because i i wouldn't say forcing but but it not, not forcing by the organization's point of view but it makes people have to collaborate in order to make something like this happen it means that you have to have expertise from various areas within the organization and of course within the various expertise areas of design and development and DevOps knowledge and cloud knowledge and operations knowledge in order to succeed in something like this. So what it does, it enables collaboration, mm. but it also forces you to do collaboration around something like this. And what it, what it then, of course, enables is that you, you have two things happening. The first one is you have a common uh, library of components that connect the organizational parts together. And also you have a centralized place to go to when you have requirements or something. Yeah. Um, you talked about the 
you talk about the test cases before and sort of uh, in, including natural language test cases in the design system itself. So it it almost sounds to sounds obvious to me as well that that culture will then feed into the the automation, which is one part of the one definition of DevOps in comms, where where you have the culture, where you have the automation. Um, you describe that that designers are they don't they are not required to learn a developer skill but they have an opportunity and possibility to engage with the sort of reflection and, and learning um, so so that also speaks to me as a cultural change where you create a feedback loop between the people who originate the design system and then they also review how that how that design system is adopted and then take the lessons learned from there and maybe maybe they even maybe it happens that some of the developers have um, identified uh, let's say a gap or a missing piece in the design system and they have implemented themselves but it is sort of good enough for the maintainer of the design system to then adopt it back into the design system so the next round it's already there. I don't know. I'm just making up stuff here. For... No, no, but the, that's actually the, the two important things. So so what I would call scaling by distribution. So the team start working on a single system instead of all of all of the teams working on their own, which, which of course, uh, makes the work centralized, makes it scalable, and also gets the people working together uh, as culture-wise. And it also forces the organization to come up with practices on how do you actually develop and implement and share the design system and components inside it. So how do you collaborate? Do you have a centralized team that's actually responsible for the design system? Do you have your own continuous delivery pipeline for the design system where you can collaborate by pull requests? from any of the teams? Do you decide to make it community-driven, such as the, the Australian government design system, where anyone could go ahead and make a pull request, and then they just have a centralized few people who then decide if these pull requests should be approved and merged into, into the design system, or how do you manage it? So it, it changes the way you have to decide over all of the applications, how you manage both the DevOps side and the design side, but but not still not touching into the creativity of the people, but just building the framework. I have to ask this: that the, in in many organizations who want to adopt lean and agile and uh, DevOps principles, there is a concept called practice community. So let me ask it, have you come across or how possible is it that an organization who who gets on a journey with design systems would establish a design system practice community within their own organization and that would be the driving force in the organization to then, well, well to start with define what it is and then also agree those practices because I believe that this is it's not only just sit down and out of a sudden a perfect system comes around, but you have to take the time to also create that system for yourself. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the ways of, of developing the, the design system 
would definitely be starting a practice community. So if your organization already has practice communities in place and the practice communities have uh, certain responsibilities, a practice community would be a natural place to discuss and decide and, and develop further a design system. What, the, what, what in my opinion, the practice communities have then as a downside, of course, is that the kind of the, the organization driven targets and schedules are more difficult to set, which would then probably lead into working groups started from the practice community that actually as the working group has some sort of a schedule and targets so that the practice community goes through the discussion decisions on what should be done and then starts a working group that actually implements it so that would be one way of doing it many organizations work this way um, the other way would be having that working group as the like uh, especially in the beginning what i would call as a piloting group Mm -hmm. or then uh, many many would would understand a center of excellence kind of like a obsolete world word in in the modern world but center of excellence is still a valid valid way, way of looking into how design systems should be handled and and, how, and especially in organizations that want to implement new, new practices how it could be driven in the beginning and then when the the first implementation has been done and piloted it might be reasonable to expire the center of ex, ex, excellence and then turn it into a practice community for example so the the, the center of excellence is almost like a nomination or like a role, role nomination for somebody who is tasked as their primary job to figure it out, whereas the practice community is like-minded individuals who who find a cause amongst each other to go do that. And and there are probably many other ways to, to figure the organization part out as to introducing the design system but if we if we look at this connection between design systems and and devops then from a substance perspective like where should the organization start so i would pre presume that any listener that's in an organization that's more than say 500 people there is already a design system somewhere and if isn't i'm really surprised so there, there is, even if it was just graphical guidelines, that already exists. So the, exactly the same way as we would do our DevOps assessments and Ethicode, the same way the organization should be first starting by mapping out what they already have, making some sort of a roadmap and set of KPIs, how they want to, how they want to proceed from what they have. Many organizations, as I said, already have design systems in place. They even probably have the HTML and CSS libraries connected to the design system in place. And they also probably have applications that have been developed over that design system already. So you don't have to start from scratch. Many organizations today already use cloud. Uh, they have some sort of continuous integration or continuous delivery pipeline in place. So none of the areas are very new in the organizations that want to start developing their design systems further. 
what they just have to do is define what they're after and how do they want to proceed with implementing it should it be some new product they start developing or should they start should they start a new a uh, new venture on developing the design system because their brand is changing or as they have moved to uh, any of the cloud providers should they add in the infrastructure definition somehow into the design system or even near the design system accessible for the people who start developing the applications so that even if you didn't have the whole package in place already you start bringing the components and and the people and the cl- culture closer together. Well, that sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I, I would say that it's it's actually it's relatively easy, but it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. So that's actually like the same happens with any DevOps implementation or any new practice implementation in in modern organizations. They are not. I I hate to say this, but they are not rocket science, Mm. but it takes time. So usually where we bump into is that that, uh, things are considered difficult and happening way faster than they actually do. And they're both wrong. Usually things are relatively simple to implement. The hard part is changing the culture and the practices, of course, but that's a whole other story. And they take more di- more time than you expect. Mm. That's why we prefer piloting. So meaning if you have a new application on the way, I would start developing the design system around that application and selecting technologies that are most probable to be the application technologies in the upcoming applications or services. And by that, by that way, you already cover like the future services in the design system. And then while you develop the the legacy or the obsolete applications you might have or services, you start extending the design systems, the design system there. I have one more question that I will, uh, I will test with you, but it it is also a digression. But before that, um, is there something else you think should be said about the subject we haven't discussed? Yes. There, there is one very important thing. One of the like we've already talked how you scale, you, how you scale up, and how you, you know, how you're able to scale by distribution. How you're changing your culture, how you're getting people working together with the the centralized design system, and how it's helping your organizations. But one thing I want to add is that now, as we started from design systems being like driven by the designers and and the UI development, which is traditionally just goes like that and the traditional organizations usually are divided so that it's a natural place to start from and then you have to involve the developers and the devops people operations people into the work if you want to start creating a so-called extended design system but one thing i want to mention is that once you get there once you have the continuous delivery pipeline in place and you're talking about the so-called zero-day delivery, which means that when you start a new service based on the design system, you're basically in the production at the same moment, at least the same day. You've created a pipeline that's automated and many of the culture elements 
such as the practices used by the development organizations are actually connected to that pipeline. Which means that if you want to add or change a technical practice you have in place in your organizations, few good examples would be using pull requests or reviewing pull requests, using security audits, adding new linting or style checks into the, the code style you're actually writing. They're all kind of automated, boring task, tasks for the computer. And those can be added into the practices by introducing them into the design system and the, the, the pipeline, the continuous delivery pipeline lying within the design system. Which means that when you take the design system, you don't only take the components and the automation and the templates, you're actually picking a part of cultural practices with you. And it supports your future culture at the same time. And that I feel is one of the strongest powers of doing this kind of a modern design systems. Interesting how that, even if you didn't know that, it answers or gives an answer to my question, sort of the bonus question that I had in mind, because I wanted to stretch what goes in the design system with one more thing. And again, uh, forgive me with my ignorance on the technical details, but speaking of cloud, which is one more buzzword out there, um, and speaking of infrastructure as code which oftentimes sort of goes together with cloud it would be curious to know your thoughts as to including infrastructure as code sort of definitions into the design system so that when somebody gets started with a new project and they would adopt an organizational design system it would already in the same way it dictates design elements, it would already dictate, not dictate is the wrong word, but make like a strong recommendation towards a an operations part of that project. Not only would, but should. So I said, it's an integral part. It's like when you talk about the like roughly divided into design, continuous delivery, and then the infrastructure as code, as in the operations side, they all should be integral parts of the design system. So you won't be able to do the zero day delivery or continuous deployment unless you have the infrastructure defined as part of the design system. And I like the application I did last night and deployed to Kubernetes, it also included not only the kind of all the volume mounts and, and the defi definitions of different services, it also included DNS level stuff like such as HTTPS certificates and the domain definitions, which means that you suddenly have your service already in the internet domain, well, modern applications often are, with the scalable infrastructure in place as defined by the people in the organizations who know that 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 part best which would be say cloud architect for example so there is no need to have the developers or the designers thinking through how they are going to release these applications but instead they only already have the templates from design system and they know the persons who they can ask for more information
and it all comes from like the first stop of starting to do an application. Wow. Oh, well, well, now it's very clear for me now that when you say that the 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 moment you start developing, you are in production. Is that I, I can't paraphrase it yeah. to word by word, but okay. yeah, and and yeah, and in the future, I feel that when you like the optimal situation, of course, is that someday the design applications, such as the the sketch mm. or Figma or whatever. When you create your first button, you already see it in the production environment replicated there. And actually, it only does need a configuration file defining what you need and press play. So that would be the, the way design system should be used. Yeah. You press the button and you're in production. Wow. Well, thank you for this conversation. It was uh, fabulous, intriguing. It brought us from long time ago, from from Emacs and uh, Perl mode and RCS all the way into into today. So I yeah. think we have made a good twenty five years of evolution in this in this conversation. So so thank you for that. I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Hey, thank you. That was fascinating. Thinking that designers have a way to get closer to development and developers having a way to deploy their code from their very first commit, all according to the organization's brand and design guidelines. How awesome is that? In order to help you get started, we have collected all references in the show notes. Make sure to take a good look at them. As always, we are happy to hear back from you for further ideas about future episodes in the podcast. In the meanwhile, Take care of yourself and keep zero day delivering.